Dr. Alade Hillebrand was raised in Amsterdam and decided that she wanted to become a veterinarian at a young age. She attended veterinary college in Belgium and went into small animal practice in England after graduation. After about four years of being in practice, she developed a chronic debilitating illness that was diagnosed as myalgic encephalomyelitis chronic fatigue syndrome. She returned home to the Netherlands and was unable to work for over 10 years. In 2012, she was diagnosed with Lyme's disease and was successfully treated through holistic methods. After discovering the power of holistic medicine and traditional Chinese medicine, she took the IVIS acupuncture course in 2016 and was trained as a human acupuncturist in 2017. She has extensive training in other areas of acupuncture, including food therapy, Dr. Tan's balance method, scalp acupuncture, and ear acupuncture. She is currently a self-employed acupuncturist treating both human and animal patients. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Elaine Hellebrand as we discuss her schooling, the demands of private small animal practice, her illness and recovery, and her journey into holistic medicine. Dr. Hillebrand, thanks so much for taking the time to talk today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. When did you know that you wanted to be a veterinarian? I think <clears throat> that started when I was already very young. Um, and I can't remember exactly um, an age, but my parents had always told me that I, from a very young age, I, I said I wanted to become a vet. Yeah. So, uh, so that's basically something I grew up with, already knowing I wanted to be a vet. Did you have a lot of, of pets or animals when you were growing up? No. Um, my father was terribly allergic. Um, so for a very long time, we didn't have any animals in the house. Um, and when I was six, I came in contact with horses. And immediately I was completely hooked. And even though I was uh, considered to be too young really to start riding, I, was, I am quite tall. And then at that age, I was tall. Um, so they allowed me to, to ride. So from the age of six, I've been, uh, riding horseback riding. Um, and apparently I, uh, constantly asked my parents for, um, a pet for a dog. Um, and I think my aunt had a Welsh terrier and my father, um, didn't uh, respond, didn't react uh, with his allergies uh, to, to that dog. Mm -hmm. So um, finally, when I was about 10, they decided that we were going to get a dog. So I was very, very happy. And so when I was 10, uh, I had my first dog, but otherwise no, no pets. Uh -huh. Did, would your father, was he able to go to the barn to be around horses or no? Oh, no, no. Uh, even when I um, had been horseback riding, um, I would come home. I had to change immediately because he, it would affect him. Uh, so, um, so, no, he was hardly, I don't think he was ever there or perhaps only on very, very rare occasions. Yeah. Horse, the horse dander, you know, can really affect people. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You know, it seems like in, for people that are allergic, it's really quite a trigger. Yes. Yeah. Even if I'd been with my um, riding clothes in the car, uh, sometimes we uh, we had to clean it um, if if my father was going to use the car for a longer period of time. Ah, uh, did you uh, when you thought about vet school? Then did you think about working on horses? Um, not really. I um, 
I think I saw myself more as a small animal uh, practitioner. Um, perhaps also because I was born and raised in Amsterdam in the Netherlands, um, really a, a city girl, not out in the country, although I, I love to be out in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was more for uh, small animals. And um, I, I thought about vet school, and there is one university in, in the Netherlands, um, but it has a sort of lottery system, uh, numerous fixes, um, to restrict the number of people joining the university um, because the there are then were and I think there still are um, more or less too many vets, uh, so too few jobs. Yeah, is it still the case? I think so. Um, I'm not quite sure, but there is still this this lottery system uh, being applied. So um, I, I heard when I uh, tried to get in uh, early 90s, I think there were 150 places uh, for 150 students. Uh, and I think the number of students that applied were about 1,500, so tenfold. Uh, yeah. So quite a big difference. So you went to Belgium. Did you have other choices, other schools you could have or thought about going to? Um. I didn't really consider it. Um, when I, for the first time, uh, didn't get into the uni- Dutch university uh, for vet school, I decided to study biology for one year. So I thought, well, I can still live at home, uh, which I did find comfortable at that time. And I I thought if I do get in next year, there are some similar subjects uh, and I, won't, uh, I don't have to retake those um, subjects again mm-hmm. um and then for a second time i didn't get into uh, the dutch vet school so i i was actually hesitant to go to belgium which was uh, something that a lot of uh, dutch students did and i eventually ended up doing as well but i i was reluctant and i i was thinking about perhaps um doing a physiotherapy course yeah, uh, for people because around that time as well uh, there was an official um, uh, uh, physiotherapy course uh, for animals mm. uh, once you had completed your um, study for people. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about doing that, but um, my mother uh, she knew well that from a young age I'd always said I want to be a veterinarian. So she said, "Well, no, you go to Belgium." We'll go yeah. there together and we'll go and look for a, a, a nice place to stay. Uh, so we did. So I went to, to Belgium. Did you enjoy that your education there? Um, I had to get used to, well, being um, on, well, on my own, um, being in a foreign country, even though uh, mm-hmm. in, in Ghent, in Belgium, uh, where I studied, uh, they speak uh, Flemish, which is virtually the same as, as Dutch. Yeah, but it was still very different, and I, I I did take several years really to adapt, and it was very very hard study. In Belgium, the study is very, um, how can I say, um, it's it's strict. Um, well, certainly compared to to Dutch university, it's it's very 
um, strict uh, from 8.30 to 1. You've got three classes, uh, hardly any breaks, and it just goes on and on. And it is from the 1st of October. Uh, the, the year starts, and obviously there's a Christmas break and there's Easter break. Um, and then in May and June, you have your uh, exams, and they're mm. really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and you really have to go to all the lessons and, and keep up. And for me, because I'm not particularly a good uh, learner, um, I, I, I just studied all day every day <laughs> I, yeah. I think <laughs> yeah. yeah it makes it uh, a lot of stress yes yeah yeah but the good thing was studying in belgium because the um year the, the academic year always starts on the first of october and it ends the the exams uh end uh well the end of june and by the time you get your results it's the beginning of july so mm-hmm. if you don't have any re-exams to take, uh, you got a three-month holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I still don't know how I did it, but I never did have any re-exams. Oh, that's take. wonderful. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I still don't know how I did it, but that was, I, was, I was, I think, very lucky. What did you do during, during your breaks then? Um, but for a few years... Um, I I worked. I had a um, a job, summer holiday job in a DIY store, uh, but that was also because my uh, brother worked there. And at that time, I had a horse as well. I, I mm-hmm. co-owned a horse, so obviously spending a lot of time with uh, with my horse. Uh, and I did actually go to uh, Greece for a couple of summers for five six weeks to to sail with Greek people. Mm. so and that was amazing that was absolutely amazing a very relaxing and recharging the batteries uh, completely sounds wonderful yes so, so where did you go after graduation then well in my final year i went for three months to vienna as an exchange student and I really liked, I, I'd gotten used to the idea of being in a foreign country and not, well, got obviously used to being away from home. Um, and I liked the idea of being in another country. Um, and I thought, well, if I go back to the Netherlands straight after my studies, uh, it is hard to find a job as a new graduate because the, the, there are so many vets, there are few jobs. Um, and obviously they ask for people with uh, experience, which I, well, not really had at that time. Um, so I decided actually, well, I, I would like to go to England and um, practice my English. And uh, I, I'd heard that there was a shortage of vets and it was easy even as a new graduate to to find a job so I thought well I just go there I give myself a year if I don't like it I come back but at least then I've got a year's experience and if um, I do like it I stay longer and we'll just see what happens so I decided to do that how long did you stay um four years nearly four years Mm -hmm. and then you got sick and then I got sick. Yes, indeed. Um, yes, I think it started because I graduated in uh, 1989. Um, so in, I think, August, I went to the UK uh, and started working there. 
And in the in September or October of 2000, I had a very high fever for a few days. Uh, didn't think much of it. And, um, well, after a few days, started to go back to work. But after a few months, I realized I was getting more and more tired and uh, to the case of being really fatigued and, and exhausted. Mm-hmm. I thought it was the job I was working because it was a busy um, practice. We were first with eight small animal vets, later with nine. Mm. Busy um, out of hours uh, and on-call duties, which in a way I didn't mind, but I felt it was just too much. So I decided to uh, look for another practice with no out of hours um no on call duties mm-hmm. um but even then my health deteriorated that was from 2001 till the beginning of 2002 and i just had small little things of illness um like conjunctivitis and then my bowels and then my bladder and all strange things when before i was never ill mm-hmm. um and at one point, my GP said to me, well, why don't you stay home for two weeks and just take a break and, and relax? And from that moment, I just completely crashed. And I realized I had worked myself to a burnout. Yeah. It was one and a half year after the initial uh, fever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, I, I slept for 14, 15 hours a day. If I was awake, I... Well, I didn't function. I couldn't drive a car anymore. I had two dogs, um, which luckily I had a house with a garden. Um, my mother came over every second weekend to cook for me, to clean, mm-hmm. uh, to do shopping, because I just couldn't do it. And the strange thing was, and obviously knowing now TCM, I know well, I, I, I've got a feeling what it means, but then I was so surprised because it was a hot summer and I was uh, often sitting outside in the sun with my jeans on and I could feel the sun burning on my jeans, on my skin. And mm-hmm. I was so, so, so cold. I did not get warm. Uh-huh. It was unbelievable. Uh-huh. So did you stay, how long did you stay in England then? Did you move home? Um, Eventually I did move home because, um, well, certainly compared to um, Dutch, um, um, how would you say, um, how how, uh, things are arranged in in Holland, Mm -hmm. uh, in the UK, when you're ill, uh, after six months, if you're if there's no reasonable ex, uh, expectation of when you can return to work in the uh, capacity that you uh, were employed for, which was obviously a full time vet, um, you're allowed to um, uh, to to let go. Um, so in October two thousand two, um, I was um, uh, sacked and. My mother then immediately said, okay, now you're coming home. Yeah. Um, so I had by uh, a removal company, I had my um, stuff stored and I thought, okay, I'll go home a few months and I'll we'll be, probably be better and I'll come back. Yeah. But um, no, a few months turned into a few years that I actually lived with my mother and my mother was looking after me and, and my dogs. I had two dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a mobility scooter and I've used that for 13 years. Because I I just 
I couldn't walk for even 300 meters. Wow. I was out of breath, dizzy, lightheaded, shaking, and almost sometimes um, like feeling like vomiting because I was um, too weak. Yeah. So um, eventually uh, I had lots and lots of tests because my father was a doctor as well. He was a cardiologist, and I come from a very um, well Western medical background family my my grandfather was a, a doctor as well um so alternative medicine was not talked about was mm-hmm. was not done yeah. uh, and my father made sure that i had every possible test that was um perhaps necessary and i also i went to a um chronic fatigue uh, me because that was the the diagnosis very soon because they did all the bloods and everything um i had ecg uh, uh, i think even eeg um everything came back normal which obviously is very frustrating if you feel so ill mm-hmm. yeah. and they said it's chronic fatigue syndrome uh, slash me that is the myalgic um I can't even pronounce it in English. I'm sorry. Yeah. Encephalopathy, yeah. Yes. Um, so um, I had, again, lots and lots and lots of more tests. And even there was a, a chronic fatigue center in Amsterdam that they have run by doctors and also a cardiologist. And they um, they did try experimental um, stuff uh, to to see if, if patients with chronic fatigue with syndrome would benefit from it. For example, I had uh, I think I tried EPO, uh, mm-hmm. like several dope doping um, yeah. things. I is DHEA is also yes. like a doping, uh, uh-huh. but it only made me ill. I've taken for six months um, antibiotics two months, one antibiotics, and then the next two months, again, and a different kind of antibiotics, and then for another two months, again, a different type of antibiotics, uh, which made, obviously, my bowels uh, and my digestion Mm. even worse. So um, eventually somebody said, uh, well, why don't you go to the uh, bioresonance guy here just outside of Amsterdam? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, okay, I've been ill for 10 years uh, I, I was indeed ready to, to willing to try anything. Yeah. Um, so I did, and immediately he said, "You've got Lyme's disease." Yeah. And not only Lyme's disease, I had a whole list of other co-infections, and he said they're all just opportunists. Um, when once your immune system is down, they just come and feast. And I was very, very skeptical because I thought, well, it's very easy to say somebody who's so ill has got a list of infections. He said, well, I can help you, um, but it's going to take a long time, at least a year. So I thought, okay, I'm going to give it at least a year. Yeah. I went there twi- every two weeks. And uh, I did actually start after a year. I could tell there was a difference. It was mm-hmm. subtle. But there was a difference. Um, so I continued. Um, and in the meantime, I went with my previous dogs that were quite old at that time. They were 14, 15 years of age. 
I'd heard about this holistic uh, veterinary practice and a few people had said to me, you, you should go there with them. Yeah. And I went there and what they did there was <laughs> unbelievable um, with a little measuring, handheld measuring device, but like um, uh, an energy measurement uh, yeah. instrument. Yeah. Um, without touching these dogs that were old and, and pretty knackered, um, they, they came up with, well, diagnosis says, oh, it's got this, got that, got all sorts. Here, I've got you some drops and I've got you a little bit of powder of this and give it two times a day and we'll see what happens. And uh, one of these dogs uh, had been on uh, regular um, painkillers for years mm-hmm. um, because of his osteoarthritis, and I could reduce the dose by three quarters. Yeah, and I was, and they were their quality of life was obviously better. And I thought, what is this? I need to know more about this. Um, so I got in contact because they do courses uh, in in the in working with this uh, device. It's called the Lecher uh, antenna, mm-hmm. and um, I I asked I, or I explained I am a veterinary surgeon, but I'm not working, but I'm interested, and can I do the course? And she said, Yeah, that that's fine. So I did, and I was uh, quite amazed about uh, well, how new worlds opened up for me basically mm-hmm. uh, about all this energy stuff and the, the the guy who was teaching he said well people with Lyme's disease they've got this and people with Lyme's disease they're so sensitive to uh, electromagnetic radiation like wi-fi and lots of things and i recognized that and i thought well obviously he knows a lot about about people with Lyme's disease because uh, it's it's a practice that they not only treat animals but people as well. Yeah. Um, so I thought, okay, I'm going to make an appointment there there as well. And I still went every two weeks to the bioresonance, and then I uh, did do. Uh, I went to this holistic uh, surgery as well, um, and I. Uh, got treated and it was some acupuncture and um, some some herbs, Western herbs. Um, and I could feel that things very quickly um, um, improved. Uh, there was certainly uh, the, the, the rate of improvement was uh, obviously changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at one point I went to the bioresonance and this guy said, and it was two and a half years after the start, he said, I can't let measure the Lyme, Lyme's disease anymore, the Borrelia. Yeah. Um, and you can't say, unfortunately, it's gone, but um, energetically we say um, it, we can't measure it. So it, it, it doesn't disturb the body in a way. And a week later, I had an appointment at this holistic uh, surgery, and um, uh, he said, I didn't say what the bioresonance had told me, and mm-hmm. he said, I can't measure the lines anymore. Ah. And that, for me, really was the moment that I thought, okay, there is something more, there must be something more than just waving around with a silly whatever you call it, uh, a pendulum or a dowsing rod, or there is something more, definitely, um, because they said it at exactly the same time. 
Yeah. Um, and by that time, actually, I'd started to feel a bit, certainly a, a, a bit better. Um, and then after they said, well, we can't measure it anymore, I thought, okay, I really have to start th- think now what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Uh, I yeah. was, what, uh, was in 2015, so I was 42. Uh, and before, really, I didn't have any prospect of how things were going to work out from the uh, Western regular um, uh, doctors. They said, well, you've got chronic fatigue syndrome. We don't know if you're going to get better. We don't know when you're going to get better, to what extent. We just don't know. So I well, I can say I've given up hope of, well, doing anything really and just yeah. trying to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the year in 2014, so the year before they said that the, they they couldn't measure the the Lyme's disease anymore, I started to feel a little bit better. I heard about there was a horse sanctuary in Amsterdam, and I thought, hmm, there's a horse sanctuary. I want to see if I can make myself useful in any way. Mm-hmm. I went there. And I quickly saw that I wasn't going to be able to make myself useful there because it was very much manual labor. Um, the stables didn't have running water. So every day, um, like big barrels of water had to be emptied and refilled. And it was a lot of physical work and I wasn't able to do that. But they also had a rabbit sanctuary as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, well, perhaps I can do something for the rabbits. So I started doing the health checks for the rabbits and um, working working there. And that basically is how I got into the, the rabbits. Ah. Yes. <laughs> Where was your father in all of this when you were do, going to the bioresonance? And what was his response well, to that? I think, well, he, by that time he was on the other side. He He passed away in 2011. Ah, okay. But I think he sent me um, to the bioresonance. Um, I think it had his pr- approval. Good. Yeah. Good. So. Uh, and then you took the IVIS course. Yes, um, because I'd done like this um, course with the Lecher antenna and with the, the connection, connection sensor, which is like a pendulum. Mm-hmm. And the people at the practice, this holistic practice that I... I quite fancied working and, and certainly the, the way they were working with the animals. I really enjoy that. Um, they said to me, well, if you want to work with this, because we're working with energy, you have to learn um, TCM because mm-hmm. uh, you have to learn the, the Chinese way of thinking because that's the energy way, uh, how, how the body deals with, with energy. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I hesitated a little bit, shall I do the human acupuncture course, but that was three years and I hadn't read a book in 13 years in the time I was ill. I would just wasn't able to, to focus and to concentrate on reading. So I thought, okay, I'll do the IVIS course. It's only a year, mm-hmm. <laughs> hoping that it may be easier, but, uh, um, so I, I started uh, the IVIS course in, in 2015 and uh, completed it by the end of 2016. And it was hard. It was definitely a struggle uh, to get back into some kind of 
routine of studying to using my head again. Mm -hmm. But I so much enjoyed it. And it was such a eye-opener um, how TCM, how this, uh, this way of thinking, looking at a body um, in a way so simple but so, so accurate, how that works. I was absolutely blown away, really, really inspired. That's good. So it resonated with you, but just the academic part was probably a big, yeah. a big, big change for you. A, a very big change. Yeah. But well, when I was ill, the whole 13, 14 years, I, I always have said, I don't want to be a vet anymore. That was one thing I, I was certainly about. Um, there were a few things that I couldn't face up to basically. Um, first of all, was working under time pressure. I'm not very good with that. Um, but also I felt often um, having to hand out either um, corticosteroids or um, the NSAIDs or um, antibiotics, just see if it helps, or like a, a dog with diarrhea. Um, I, I felt that in the UK, and it quite surprised me, there's also quite a... Um, I don't know if the word pressure is correct, but a, a pressure of um, people perhaps uh, going to sue you if you don't, well, do it correctly or if you don't give the, the proper information. And um, I found it very, very stressful to having to explain, for, even for a simple diarrhea that may have started by eating something uh like that didn't agree with the animal um, saying like, okay, perhaps starve or do a bland diet and then see how it goes. But then you have to say, well, people, you have to come back if it hasn't worked. And yes, you have to do uh, pay for another consultation. And often people didn't accept that. So I send them home first time with a course of antibiotics and the people were happy. But I was thinking, was that really necessary? Yeah. Um, and it, didn't feel uh, not all the time, but often it didn't feel right. Yeah, oh, I bet. So after Ivis, you did take the human acupuncture course, yes? Yes, yeah. I decided I, I really enjoyed well, I really enjoyed the the acupuncture and the TCM, and I wanted to well know more, have more background, um, but also because of my own illness. And the whole process of being ill, being a patient, um, all the frustrations of um, in, in regular medicine, nothing abnormal is found while you're so, so dysfunctional. Um, that is so frustrating. But also the whole process of coming back, um, which was really a, a good few years uphill struggle. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I thought, well, I hope I'm able to um, to help other people with that with that experience. So uh, I decided to indeed do the human acupuncture course as well. I started in 2017, completed that in 2020. And you also use laser. Yes, yeah, laser is my very big friend. Um, I I saw uh, my my teacher of veterinary acupuncture Linda Boggy use a laser sometimes on on animals and um, I became a little bit personally frustrated with the fact that I wanted to use um, 
points on on the paws on on the mm-hmm. feet. Yes. Um, and obviously, using needles um, with many patients, you're not going to make big friends using Jingwell points. Um, and also, uh, perhaps a part of that was as well because obviously I hadn't worked for such a long time. I didn't have a practice. Uh, I didn't have um, like even regular veterinary patients. Um, but because I was a, a volunteer in the animal sanctuary. Um, when I was doing the IVIS acupuncture course, I asked if I could practice the acupuncture on uh, some of the animals over there. Um, And that was okay. Um, But obviously, an animal in a shelter, they know their carers. And and I do have to say, this this shelter is extremely good. They're they're really looking well after the the, the welfare of the animals and they bond well with the the animals. Mm -hmm. But still, um, the animal doesn't have an owner. So when something is going to happen, especially with needles, it's sometimes it was hard for them to, well, find their way, trying to look for comfort. um, so often I decided, okay, I'm not going to do that. And basically I was doing acupuncture using back shoe points and perhaps a few more points. Mm-hmm. And I thought then, well, okay, let's try laser. Um, and, uh, well, see see how that goes. Um, by the time I, I think I'd already finished the human acupuncture course, um, I thought I want to know more, learn more about laser. Uh, I did a one-day uh, course uh, in in Antwerp, in Belgium, uh, for for laser therapy. This was for human, but I thought uh, at least then uh, I get to know a little bit the background of the laser, what you can and cannot do, all the different types of lasers. Yeah. Um, and I found at at this course uh, he had a quite a simple laser pen. It's a cold laser. It's a class three A laser. Mm-hmm. Um, which obviously um, cost-wise is um, a lot kinder than starting with a laser, which costs 3,000 euros. I thought that was a bit too much to invest in, especially if I didn't know uh, how it was going to work out for me as well as for the animals. Yeah. Um, But this this laser... um, I immediately could tell that the the animals really relaxed and and even with ting points, gene well points, uh, difficult points, um, it 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 works a treat. And I also because I I do um, uh, treat quite a few rabbits. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're very very sensitive animals, um, and and being a um, how do you say uh, an animal of prey. A prey animal, yes. Um, yes. Getting uh, even if it's a small um, pain stimulus from a acupuncture needle, it's still a pain stimulus, and I I find that difficult for, especially for a prey animal. Yeah. I think I can tell that dogs and cats, being um, um, how do you say it? The, well, the, the carnivores, they they cope differently with that. Mm-hmm. They deal differently with that. Do you still use that same unit? That same yes. 3A? Yes. Yeah. 
yeah, I'm I'm very very happy with it. I use it on horses, and even I got um, some owners of um, uh, dogs that I've treated. They wanted me to treat them as well, uh, and especially they said, "Well, I I always want acupuncture, but I don't want needles. But I see you using the la- the laser on my dog, and I see it works. I want you to use the laser as well on me." And that's very nice because obviously people can give you feedback what they feel, um, and and yeah, it's amazing. Um, but I I use it on myself. I use it on my my own dogs. I've got one a little bit wood wood type uh, of dog. I got her from the animal shelter, and when I just got her, she couldn't sit. She would stand and she would lie down, but to um, flex her her lumbar back yeah. uh, spine uh, and her pelvis she couldn't do that she was eight when i got her uh-huh. needles were no go even if i placed my hand my finger on liver two liver three gallbladder at 41 uh, she immediately starts growling mm-hmm. she doesn't like that uh, and also with trying to treat her her back her low back was always very difficult and then i got a laser so i thought okay uh, I'm going to try this on you. Um, and in, initially, because she obviously felt uh, I was going to work on her back end, she was always a little bit growly. She wouldn't do anything, but it was a little bit resisting, certainly at first. So she started growl, growl, growl. And then she fe- she must have felt the relaxation of the the laser and immediately her whole demeanor changed her ears went down and she was looking her eyes went soft and she really was like oh this is good and for the next few days she really was asking for it she would just go and sit there where I treated the first time and really looking around like come on do that thing again Uh it really yeah she really liked it yeah. So how did you ease back into practice? Sorry? How did you start get started back into practice then? Um, I, well, after finishing the, the veterinary acupuncture course, um, I started uh, working for two days in the holistic veterinary surgeon where, uh, surgery where I was treated myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started to work there two days a week. Um and obviously, in the beginning, also doing the human acupuncture course, I did see some people um, with their pets, um, but I usually went to to visit them at home um, because I, I I wasn't ready yet to rent a place uh, to set up practice. So I went to to people's homes, um, even um, the 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 owners. Uh, or people who work at the animal shelter, they obviously most of them got pets themselves, and I treat their pets then as well. And I do that somewhere in an empty room in the in the animal shelter. So, uh, yeah, so here, Wonderful. there, and everywhere, and that has gradually now changed. Um, so uh, on Tuesday, I'm uh, treating people, and I'm renting a um, place um, to to treat people. It's a, a center with more holistic um, orientated um, therapies mm-hmm. and therapists. Um, on Wednesday and Thursday, I work in the uh, holistic veterinary surgery. 
Uh, and on the Friday, I go to stables and treat horses. And then in the weekends, um, because I teach now in the acupuncture course as well, the, the human acupuncture course, in weekends, um, once once a month, there is a weekend of, of classes. So I teach there, but also I do um, uh, help students with their practical works, which is not every Saturday, but uh, some Saturdays. So I'm quite busy. Yeah. Now, really. Yeah. How does, can you maintain your energy level now? Well, it, I, do, I do have to say it, it has been always still quite a struggle. Even though I did do quite a lot, I always felt I, I am actually here at my maximum level. Mm-hmm. But um, a, a very recent event seemed to have changed that, and I'm obviously very, very, very pleased with that. In back in October, I suddenly got pain in my uh, abdomen, my right lower abdomen, and so I thought, oh, is this an appendicitis? Mm-hmm. But it wasn't acute appendicitis, but it may or may not have been a, a chronic appendicitis. But also, they found in several tests that they did, they found there was a, a, a tissue mass on the outside wall of the cecum. Mm. Uh, and I've recently, recently, f- four or five weeks ago, I had surgery and both the um, tissue mass, which was benign, um, and the appendix were removed. And I, I feel so great. <laughs> it is really unbelievable. I'm, I'm still very careful of saying it too loud, but... Um, it, it really feels like I've got my energy levels back since 20 years now. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. So I'm, I'm really, at this moment in time, I'm really looking at a very bright future. Oh, gosh. Well, yeah. Dr. Hillebrand, I think this is a good place to stop. I, I, mm. I really thank you for taking the time. I really enjoyed hearing your story. Thank you. Thank you for listening to me. Oh, yeah. What, what, a, what, a, what a story. Um, what's, what are you going to do from here? Um, just enjoying life, enjoying working. I, I don't want to be, um, booking my schedule too full because I, um, well, I, I, I wrote a book just to mention that briefly, uh, on, um, the character types according to the five elements in dogs, cats, and rabbits. And I've, um, recently translated that myself into English and the publisher is now doing its final work on the English version. So that co- should come out this month, uh, May, 2022. Uh, then I think I'm going to re-edit the Dutch version. Um, so. Um, I'm going to do that for work, um, but I, I definitely want to uh, start to enjoy life as well. Uh, and I've taken up dancing again, uh, which I'm very happy about. Good for you. And yes. congratulations on the book. That's a huge thank achievement. You. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm very happy. Yes. Good. Well, thank you for your time again. And I hope that we can speak again soon. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. 
This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.